I'm standing over there. I said this at the first service. I'm standing over there making notes on my, on my notes because there's more that I want to talk about this morning. This is a good passage. We're in the middle of the book of Colossians. And uh, usually we put words, we put the verses up on the screens, but I, I haven't been doing that lately. And, and here's my reason. I'm not going to do it today either. Here's my reason. I really would love it if you'd bring your Bibles. If you're a first-time visitor here, you know what? Thanks for being here. But if this is your church, bring your Bible. The one thing you know is that every single Sunday, you're going to have an opportunity to use it. You're going to get to understand it. You're going to know what's there. You're going to learn to find your way around it and in it and through it. So I'd encourage you to bring your Bibles. If you've been following us with this book of Colossians, it's an interesting one. It's a challenging one. There's, There's a lot here. It's filled with warnings and encouragement and instructions. It's helpful and it can be heavy. But the real question that's been in front of us the last couple of weeks is, how in the world are you and I supposed to live like the kind of Christians that we read about in the Bible? I mean, how in the world are we supposed to do that? Then again, the Bible tells us just how to do it, doesn't it? If only we'd read it and follow it and believe it is true. It seems overwhelming and impossible, though. And, and so without God's Holy Spirit, we need to recognize that, that it is impossible for us. But with God's Holy Spirit working with us, it is not impossible. And besides, if we don't know what's in the book, how are we supposed to ever do it? So I'll tell you this. There's a lot of things in this world that I know nothing about. There's a lot of things that I know very, very little about. But I know this. Becoming a Christian is the single easiest thing you will ever do in your life. It's simply accepting the gift that God gives us in the death and the resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Savior. That's as simple as it is to become a Christian. And then it gets more challenging. Because then we've got to start to make the decision to learn to live as a Christian, and that is not so easy. In fact, living as a Christian is one of the most difficult things you will ever try to do. The problem is that we accept Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, and then we turn around and we continue sinning. We've got this constant tendency toward choosing sin rather than choosing God's will for us and being obedient to Him. And that's what Paul is writing about to this church. In my experience, one of the biggest reasons that Christians don't look, sound, or live like the followers that we we read about in the Bible is that we don't actually treat the Bible as our baseline for truth. We don't live like we believe it. A lot of folks will base their lives on a book. You've maybe done this. Someone's recommended a book to you and you dove in and you read it cover to cover. It doesn't matter how big it was. They said this will change your life and you read it. And you said, i got to change my life. i got to be a different person. And you know how many of us have read the Bible from cover to cover? So we grab these books and we think they're going to they're gonna do for us what we need to have done. Like, how about the bestseller? Everything I ever needed to know I learned in kindergarten. You just stopped growing at the age of five. How about how to win friends and influence people? Or the secret or the power of now or the four agreements or any one of the other jillions of books out there, none of which addresses the fundamental breakdown of the human heart, which is sin. 
Jesus didn't die for you to be a better person. Jesus didn't die for you to be a good person. Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins so that you could be a new creation in Him. We accept the Bible as true, but somehow or another we fail to take the step of accepting it as true for us. Good stuff. Words to live by. Hope you can find, find some happiness there. But we seem not to always do it for ourselves. I read that Gandhi, who famously read all of the famous works of religious literature in the world, including the Bible, determined after going through all of them that Christianity was of the greatest value to people because of how Jesus talked about loving our neighbors and forgiveness and there being no difference between people in God's eyes based on skin color or nationality or amount or lack of wealth. He found himself inspired by Jesus whom Christians worshipped and supposedly lived their lives with Him as their model. He had read and he was tremendously inspired by Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and he determined to get to know Jesus better. Having read the Bible, it was now time to get to know some of his followers. So one Sunday, Gandhi decides to attend a local church in Calcutta where he lived. He picked one out, he got there early, and he found out that when he got to the church, he wasn't allowed entrance. The ushers outside the church stopped Gandhi at the door. And when he asked, why can't I go in? They said, well, this is a Christian church. It's for upper caste Indians and white people only. He was neither upper caste nor white. It was at that moment that Gandhi turned his back on Christianity and the Jesus he had grown so fond of. Not long later, missionaries came and tried to preach the good news to him, and he said this to them, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And so it makes me wonder. Makes me wonder, what would we do? It's easy to sit back and go, what idiots. I mean, how could they not have known the opportunity in front of them? What kind of Christian stop a guy at the door? It's so easy to say that they were horrible and that should have never happened. But before we sprain a shoulder patting ourselves on the back, let's take a closer look, shall we? I wonder what the world says about us. What do they say about us as a church? What do they say about you and about me and about how we act? What do they say about who we are when we're not here? I wonder if Gandhi had walked to the doors of this place on a Sunday morning at 1025, would he have walked in here and said, I recognize you, you're followers of Jesus. I read about you in the New Testament of the Bible. Or would he say, I like your Christ, but I don't like you, Christian. He had another saying that had become pretty famous. He said, be the change you want to see in the world. What Paul is doing in Colossians is addressing the change that needs to happen in the human heart. He's lovingly, caringly, gently telling us how to be the change that we want to see in ourselves. He's laying out not only what not to do, he is telling us what to do and who to be. So we've got to understand God's Word, first of all, as a gift. And that gift reveals God's heart, His character, and His great and undying love for us. That's why it's often called God's love letter to us, But it's even more than that. When, when we read it to understand how to live, we quickly realize that the Bible is also a how-to manual for life as a Christian. 
So what follows as we go on in the book of Colossians today is Paul telling this early church how to begin to live as a Christian. How it is that we can show others a little bit of what it is to know Jesus. And so as we read these words and as we go through these verses, don't leave them 2,000 years ago to the pages of history. Bring them right here front and center to your life in our church today. What do they mean to you? How do they sound to you? How do they make you feel? What is it that you need to do in response to them? Chapter 3 of the book of Colossians in verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. People say, I don't know how to be a Christian. I don't know where to even start. I don't know what to do. When you're ready to start intentionally focusing on living as a follower of Jesus, underline those words in your Bible and start every day with them. Just like you get dressed. As you prepare for the day, you time to think about what you're going to wear, how it's going to look. A lot of people spend a lot of money on clothing, spend a lot of time trying to figure out what it is they're going to wear, all for the purpose of appearance and what people will think about them. You want to start learning to live as a Christian, start with those words. And in the first thing you do in the morning, put those words on as a part of who you are. Just like last Sunday, Ryan talked about taking off our old self. We take off our old self. We take off the the dirty clothes. Well, we've also got to put clean clothes, new clothes on. Paul says we need to be considering, to carefully consider what we put on. Paul says to put on a compassionate heart, kindness, humility, Meekness and patience. That's how to start living as a Christian. Easy peasy, right? Not so much. Because most of us in one way or another have tried to do that. It's not easy. But let's be honest here. Neither is saving for something you really want to own. How about dieting to get ready for that beach vacation or giving up a bad habit? You've got to make choices. You've got to make decisions. You've got to decide what is it that really matters to you. And if you're going to have something else, you've got to do something different about it. Life isn't easy. But we need to accept the very simple fact that who we are is a direct product of what is important to us and the time and money and effort that we put toward it. If learning to live as a disciple of Jesus is important to you, then that's going to require you to put some effort into it you got to think about it. you got to start making some different choices with your life. It may mean, most likely, that you'll have to give some things up. You may have to give up and quit some things that are a part of your everyday in order to make room for the new you. The old saying goes, garbage in, garbage out. What are you putting in? What is important? What matters to you? What gets your time and attention and affection and money? That's the stuff that you're going to be. That is who you're going to be out there in the world. What do you watch and read and listen to? Who are your friends? What is the language and the words that are going in? Because that is what's going to come out. Verse 13. Bearing with one another, and if, a, if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Bearing with one another does not mean tolerance. Tolerance in our world today is the catch-all world that's, word that says we just love and accept and, and everything is okay. You know what, folks? Everything is not okay. Everything is not good for you. Everything does not give you the life that Jesus wants you to have. And the Christian church has backed off and we've accepted the word tolerance. Bearing with does not mean we tolerate bad behavior. Bearing with 
does not mean we approve of our own sin or the sin of others. It means that we live in harmony with other people. Whether they agree with us or not. If you've got a complaint with somebody, bring it to them, deal with it in love, and then move on. Forgive them just like you would expect and want them to forgive you. Does that sound familiar when the disciples went to Jesus? And they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. They didn't say, give us the words that we should repeat every day. No, they said, teach us how to pray. And Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. And we know it as the Lord's Prayer. It actually is a model for prayer. It's not the one that we should do all the time. It should teach us how to pray. But one of the things that He says in that prayer is, forgive us of our sins as we forgive the sins of others. It's not if we do. It's that we do. You want to live in harmony, you've got to learn to forgive and to accept forgiveness. If you want to be something different in the world, we've got to lead by a godly example. Verse 14, And above all, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So how do we do all of that? We start with love, realizing God hates your sin, but God loves you. God loved you even in your sins so much, He sent His Son Jesus to die for your sins, for my sins, so that we could know right now, personally, what the unconditional and lavish love of our Heavenly Father is like. You don't have to go around asking questions and wondering. It's right in this book. It explains it perfectly well to us. When we accept that love, then we let it settle into our hearts and we allow it to shape This new identity in Christ, not because of our own efforts, but because Jesus' love is the glue that holds everything together in perfect harmony. Does that make us perfect? No way. We're not, but God's love for us is. And we can share that love that we've been given. See, now you know the truth of Jesus. Maybe it's time you started sharing that with the people around you more than movies and restaurants and recipes and whatever else it is that we talk about. How much time... Does that new us in Jesus talk about Him? Because we talk about the things that are important to us, don't we? How much do we talk about Jesus with the people who are around us? Verse 15, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. (laughs) Okay. So we make a little progress on that first part. And you know what begins to happen? When we focus on that every morning, the peace of Christ begins to take root in us and it begins to rule our hearts. Suddenly we're not the same person that we used to be. Suddenly from the inside out we're actually being transformed. And when our hearts begin to change, that rules our thinking and our words and our actions. And before you know it, you begin to act like the person that you were created to be. And you find the greatest joy in being around other people who are doing the same thing, the church, the body of Christ here on earth. And when you find yourself in a place like that, you want more and more and more of it. Amen? Because what happens is we go through life then with people that are on the same road that we are, trying to get it right one step at a time. But it all begins in our hearts. And we're thankful for who God is and for what He is doing in us and with us and through us. We don't say thank you for making me perfect because we're not. We say, God, thank you for loving me anyway and for sending us Jesus. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Sounds to me like Paul is talking about worship. 
thankful, biblically-centered and focused worship where the Word of God is held in the highest priority and honor. And where does worship begin? Within the heart of each one of us individually. You walk away saying, well, worship wasn't very much today. I would be willing to bet you dollars to donuts. It was because your heart wasn't in a worshipful place. Worship begins within us. This is just the expression of it here. It all begins in our hearts. And that gets to the heart of the whole book of Colossians in this verse. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Your Christian faith, who you are, the choices you make, how you speak and think and act, you can put all the clothing on that you want to make yourself look and to sound and appear like a Christian. You can use all the Christian words that you've learned. But the real question is, is the Word of Christ dwelling in you? Has Jesus taken up residence in your heart and does He dwell in you richly, abundantly, obviously, in a way that overflows and spills out for everybody to see? Or do you worry about more about how you appear to other people? Are you more concerned with the sins of other people or your own sins? Are you worried about what they think about you or who you are? Are you an appearance Christian or a substance Christian? Nobody gets to answer that for you, but you need to think about it. Are you a Christian because you want to look like a Christian? Or are you a Christian starting in your heart and a Christian of substance? That's what Paul's getting at. Verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Here's a kicker. When we get this far along, here's the deal. You're no longer living for yourself. You've now submitted your life to God's will for you. Everything you do, no matter what it is, word or deed, should be done in the name of Jesus. All of our lives should reflect back the love of God in us. In us. Everything that we say and do should be a testimony to our faith in Jesus. And our whole life should be lived giving glory and honor to God, whether people see you do it or not. And that takes us back to the very first verse we looked at. When our life is lived with the very simple purpose of wanting to give glory to God, the only way it can be done is if we're filled with compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. There was a day that my girls would have called that a circle story. Let me break it down as simply as I can. Given the words of that verse and That being the idea of what we put on at the beginning of each day. If you want to start living like more of a Christian, then start living like more of a Christian. We talk about how difficult it is. It isn't. It isn't difficult to get started. It's difficult to do with any consistency. Living as a Christian is incredibly difficult. But beginning to take the first steps to let God work on your heart is not difficult. If you want to lose weight, what do you do? You've got to diet and exercise. If you don't, you're not going to. If you want to buy something special, you need to make it a priority and you need to start to save for it, meaning you don't spend your money on other stuff. Now, you can take out a loan and you can give the appearance of wealth, but that isn't wealth. We can give the appearance of being a Christian. That doesn't make us a Christian. If you want a promotion at work, you need to focus on doing your job consistently well, whether the boss is watching or not. Living as a Christian takes no less effort. Folks, we do it in other parts of our life all the time. And we struggle with it, and we get frustrated with it, and we keep on going. 
So how much do you want to live as a Christian? I worked at a tennis club years and years ago. And there was a guy that came in. There's like 12 courts, indoor courts. And there's a guy that came in almost every day. Sat at the bar and, and had dinner. And he hung out for three, four hours every night. I, I w- was pretty sure that he took a, a, an, an airplane trip because there was no, no real Internet or Amazon back then. I think he flew to New York because he always had on the tennis duds that the pros wore. I mean, he had the same clothes, the same warm-ups. He had these big bags that he carried six rackets in. And he always had the newest racket. He was very brand uh, specific. And when they came out with the new one, he had it. And all the time, I mean, he was, he was it. If you looked at that man, you would have sworn that was a club pro. There's only one thing he never did. Never played tennis. Never reserved court time. Nobody there had ever seen him attempt to hit a tennis ball. He'd never taken a lesson. He never reserved or stepped on a court, but he looked the part. If you showed up and were just going to hang out, that guy must be the best tennis player in the club. The fact of the matter was, he was all show. I think for a lot of us, we've got a hard time seeing ourselves as being any different than the person we really are. We've got a hard time imagining So we don't actually believe that we could accomplish the change. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but if I did, I bet you 100% of us, if I said, is there anything about your life that you would like God to address and help you make different? I bet you 100% of us would raise our hands. And if I said, how many of you are actually dealing with it? I bet you all of our hands would go down. We have a hard time imagining that things could actually be any different. So we end up getting comfortable in our frustration and our anger and our misery. We settle into this cycle of financial chaos that gives us a breath of fresh air once in a while and we say everything's good. We get comfortable with gossip and pride. We get comfortable with our sin. We get comfortable living with our addictions, whatever they are, to alcohol or prescription meds or drugs. or See, because the... The thought of doing something about it is just too much work. It's easier just to live with it than than to even have to think about overcoming it. Maybe you choose to be around people who don't really want you to change. See, they like the old sinful you. That's the one they like because it makes them feel better about who they are. And so every time we take a step forward, they take us four steps back because their life is easier than watching us growing and becoming who it is that God created us to be. So who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? And what needs to change to make that happen? Where does that change begin? It begins in our heart. You can't just say you want it. That isn't going to take you anywhere. That change has to begin in our hearts and then in our minds. And there that change goes out into the world in the way that we think, the words that we use, how we conduct ourselves, how we love the people around us, the habits that we have and the habits that we don't, the addictions that we continue and the addictions that we let go of. I hear all the time that being a Christian is too hard. I agree being a Christian is a difficult thing to do, but it is not too hard. Being a follower of Jesus and a disciple of His, it isn't easy. It most certainly, however, is not impossible. There's two things you see in print around here a lot if you look at our, at our literature on the web. One of the things is passionately pursuing Jesus. 
The other is making fully devoted followers of Christ. And I, I tell you what, the only way, and I do mean the only way, that we've ever got any hope of following Jesus as someone who is at all similar looking to what we read about in the Bible is getting a grip on those two things. Number one, we've got to start passionately pursuing Jesus with everything that we have. And when we do that, we will find ourselves becoming a fully devoted follower of His. We're going to slip, we're going to fall, we're going to sin, and He's going to pick us up and forgive us and keep us on the way. And once we begin that journey, we realize there's nothing better in this life, no cause anywhere that is more worthy of devoting our lives to than passionately pursuing Jesus. There's none. But the problem is, we just don't see ourselves moving from here to there. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up at this point. I'm going to ask you all to close your eyes. Really, for real. And I want you to imagine, right away, whatever your image is, I want you to imagine Jesus standing in front of you. Not sometime down the road, not what's He going to look like in heaven. I want you to imagine Jesus right now standing in front of you. And with Him standing there, I want you to imagine what your life would be like without having to make excuses and time and come up with money for the sin that you refuse to let go of. I, I want you to look at Him and I want, you to, I want you to wonder what your life would be like. I want you to imagine for a moment that you don't have to cover up that stuff that you keep hidden away and you don't want anyone else to find out about. I want you to look at Jesus in your mind and give yourself a moment and imagine yourself and your life without all of the things that you believe are holding you back. The things that drag you down, the things that discourage you. Without the sin and the painful memories and the lack of forgiveness and the, the people who just don't understand. Imagine your life with Jesus at the front and the center of every moment, the beginning of every day, every thought, every action, every word. Imagine if you chose to encounter the living Jesus today, rather than just struggling through life, hoping that one day you get to meet Him in heaven. So you've got your eyes closed and you're imagining Jesus. Can you imagine meeting Jesus today? Could you imagine right now, here today, encountering the living Jesus? Because that's what He wants for you. He wants to be real to you now, in this moment, not just when this life is over. He has done His part for us, and the question is, are we ready to make Him the focus of our life? Can you imagine being a different person with Him right there in front of you? I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward now to receive mornings, gifts, tithes, and offerings. And as they do, I'm going to invite you to stand up, please. I want you to join in worship. I want you to sing this song, and I want you to keep imagining here a life lived in and with Jesus. See, the thing is, can you imagine a new life for yourself right now? It, it can only begin by allowing Jesus to be real to you today, not sometime down the road. Jesus isn't here in front of you to clean you up later. Jesus is here in front of you to make you a new creation right here now today. We really can't say, I want to do it later. I don't know how to get there. I don't know how to help. I don't know what's going to help me do it. Well, I'll tell you what Jesus is. And I think the problem that we have is that we can't imagine ourselves in a different place as a different person because we only imagine meeting Jesus 
when we're dead and in heaven. I'm going to sing a song and you're going to sing with it. And rather than thinking about this song sometime down the road, I want you to think about this song today, right now. Because Jesus is here with you. Can you only imagine?
is forever, forever worship you. I can only imagine here, here is something that I know from talking to Christians and skeptics and seekers and atheists. I know for a fact that you cannot encounter the living Jesus and not be changed. You may accept Him or you may reject Him, but you will be changed forever in your decision about who you believe He is. Let's pray. Gracious God, You know that we have a hard time understanding and imagining that our life, who we are, how we think and, and how we act and what we do and the habits and things that we hold on to can ever be any different. Because you know all of those thoughts and all those actions are ruled by our sinfulness. It's why you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross and raised him from the grave that we could be forgiven of that and that we could be a new creation. But it's hard for us to imagine. Frankly, it's hard for us to imagine that you love us because we know the mess that we make of our lives. God, the the idea of encountering Jesus here and now is both wonderful and it's frightening because we realize how much we would run to him and love him. And we realize how far away from him we are. God, help us to understand and to accept and to take deep into our hearts how much it is that you love us, that we can begin to change to become who it is that you created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Last thing I've got for this. One of the things that Paul said is you can do two things with a message like today. You can be a hearer of the word only or you can be a doer of the word. It's not Paul, excuse me, different book of the Bible. You can be a hearer of the word or you can be a doer of the word. Now you've heard the word. What are you going to be? Are you going to hear it and file it away to your Christian knowledge and education? Or are you going to walk out and say, I've got to do something different with my life? The choice is up to you. Jesus has done his part. What are you going to do for yours? But here's what I want you to think about this week. Can you imagine a life different than the one you lived when you walked in this morning? That's what he wants for you. A life that is free of all of that stuff and the change isn't going to happen because you decide to do something different. The change is going to happen because you invite him into your heart and ask him to work change in you. we got one more song before we go, folks. Thanks for coming. Hope we see you again next Sunday. Have a great week.